listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Three Beers and a Movie. We are once again in the Raven and I am Richard Laird and I'm joined today by... Daniel. Um, Colin is again missing. Um, he cannot get time off work so he's letting us take over for the, today. So we're going to do our best without Colin. Yes. You know, because Colin is he's a man who, who he has an opinion. Um, some of the opinions shared by no one else. But we'll try and fill in for Colin the best we can. There'll be uh, no One Direction chat. There'll be no One Direction chat. There'll be no Bewitched chat. Uh, we'll acknowledge that Dunkirk is a great film, um, and we'll acknowledge that Tom Hardy, although not our favourite actor, is a legitimately decent actor in the world, and not whatever Colin thinks he is. Some stomach-sucking villainy that Colin hates. So, um, Mark, uh, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking 71 litres. 71 IP, I think it's called. Nope, 71 IP. I've got the same. You're also drinking Brooklyn Lager as well? Yes, yes. Aries by Brooklyn Lager? Nope, just the first label I've seen in the Nice fridge. one. I like it because of the logo. See, because it's got the, yeah, old, yeah. the old Dodgers logo. That's yeah. one I really, I've always really enjoyed, the Dodgers logo. Ah, um, 71 IPA comes from the Appalachian Mountain Brewery. Ooh. So we're getting it from like redneck country, like proper redneck, like sort of like people up a mountain living in a like stick farm, like living off mud. And then make beer. So they're the hardest of hardy men. The people, kind of people that Ron Swanson will be friends with. <laughs> you know, he'd be good people. Um, but not. But nice, nice beer actually. Like, I'm really enjoying it. It's yeah. actually really nice. I'm a big fan. I like American beer better than British beer. Yeah. I just, I don't know, I think there's a bit of fizz to it. It feels like. I know something with IP is not much different, but you feel the American stuff over, over squeeze up yourself. You're not really. I'm not a big beer fan, but to be honest, I'm quite enjoying 71. Yeah, it's quite amazing. It's quite mild. Yeah, it's relatively mild compared yeah. to like some of the other stuff. Um, so, a few movies. Unfortunately, Barry's not seen most of what we're talking about, so I'm going to have to do a lot of talking. Barry's going to pitch in with just random commentary, summarising perhaps, or even just picking holes in what I'm saying. Um, <coughs> and we'll talk about the feeling that Barry's seen. So, Barry, a few things you've seen we've already talked about. You saw Detroit this week, is that right? Yes. Did you like Detroit? I did. Did you, did you come out feeling very bad of being a white man in the world? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It was it was one of those movies where um, um, I didn't actually really know anything about this. Was a Stacy pick? Did she know much about the actual situation? At all? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She knew a bit more about it. Yeah. And uh, it was her choice, and we went and seen it and that, and then like uh, it kind of unraveled really quickly, and then I was just sitting there like, oh my god! Like, you do come out a real film of like it, it feels more like a documentary than a movie, doesn't oh, it? Totally. Like for real big chunks of it, it's almost like the mixed documentary footage into it. And that that was nice. I really enjoyed that. How it was like like cutting in like real footage from the time and I thought that was just absolutely perfect even the opening it, we have like an opening bit of like sort of it's like a weird animation thing and you have like the sort of description of what happened that feels very documentarian as opposed to sort of like a fiction or even like a, a normal movie it felt very much like a documentary I thought it just it, I think it just really captured that it just really sucked into like back to the 60s and oh. it just it really transported me and I was sitting there like I feel like I'm actually there yeah you know and Will Poehler fantastic in it oh. like the terrifying that he's a cop the racist cop yeah, in it yeah oh that was horrible he is a horrible human being in it you feel like you get such a baby face as well you think well you're an evil fucker you're an evil evil I think that's what made him worse oh yeah yeah it's like, you can even, like a guy who looks evil go like you're evil but he looks like oh you look cute and he's like nope you're a bastard and it yeah it's just and it's quite good at the fact that it can it can shows you the kind of overarching stuff but then it really hones in in the cab yeah like the second half almost hones into this like one particular thing in the house 
and then that's it for the rest of the movie and I thought that was a really good way of doing it kind of just really bringing you right into a particular point in it and you're like man see I thought it weakened a little bit in the final 20 minutes when you sort of see the aftermath I thought that felt weaker than the rest of the film still, I think it's maybe necessary in the film Aye. but it felt weaker than sort of the bit the build up and then the actual event I thought the conclusion although we need it in there you know what happened to an extent but I think some of that stuff that was shown on camera uh-huh. could maybe have been summed up by some text on the screen you know maybe sort of like just giving you a description of what happened really done with some of the stuff but you can't really fault much of the film I mean I, I actually it was like a 9 or 8 or 9 out of 10 I, I thought it was fantastic oh totally like everything about it was just perfect like hit the right chord and all that yeah it just makes you really sad at the fact that that was 1967 this was all kicking off yeah and yet and you know it was going on a wee bit before then but like this, this event happened in 1967 2017 we're just going ruining us yeah exactly same, same problem again yeah and you're like my god maybe move cities now and again but ultimately it's the same shit just rolling around as well but I mean I, I would be surprised if you see Will Porter going be getting an Oscar nod for it maybe oh, we, totally. and um, Catherine Bigelow probably getting director nod like at least a nomination I would think it was when I was looking into who had directed it and stuff I was really surprised to learn that she had done Point Break and The Hot Locker. Well, yeah, yeah, she probably was one of sort of a big break, and then for a long time she couldn't do anything. She, she was sort of blacklisted by Hollywood because she had one failure, I can't remember the film that failed. Uh-huh. Um, but one of the films failed like, quite miserably at the, at the box office, um, and because of that, she was sort of like basically put in movie jail. Yeah. And she'd done The Hot Locker on next to no budget uh-huh. and became like a massive hit, won an Oscar. Like, uh-huh. She made Jamie Renner a star and all that kind of stuff, so it was a fantastic film. And then also she's an athlete on Zero Dark Thirty. Have you seen that one yet? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's well. And I feel this one very much in that mode. It's very much a Zero Dark Thirty hot locker film. So just the whole film is just pure tension. Oh, I totally. You, you can't even imagine the set would be quite a fun place to be. It seems like a tent, like quite a tense set as well. Like pretty much everyone's on edge. It's certainly one of the bits that I found. <laughs> I probably shouldn't be laughing at it, but I found myself having a quiet giggle to myself. It's a racist film. You're giggling. Um, Barry, what's the final going to happen here now? Was. Um, <laughs> In the later half of the movie, when it's all centered around the event in the house, it was um, they were taking people away into the room, into the rooms, uh-huh. and then pretending to shoot them. Yeah, yeah. And then that one cop who's not really been there from the beginning, <laughs> yeah, of it, comes in, and he yeah. actually shoots the guy, and, you're, and he comes back out, and he's like, "Oh, I, I can't believe I did that." that. Yeah, no, and he's like. It's such a brutal moment, like, oh my god, like he's not got what they're doing. Yeah, yeah good film. Um, anything else you this week apart from Detroit? Like on uh, before we start up with the film we've seen? Uh, the only couple of things it's two TV shows. Alright, cool. Uh the first one is Tin Star. Not watched yet, Tim Roth. Yes. Christina Hendrix. Yes. I almost definitely watched the Christina Hendrix. I do love Christina Hendrix. Yeah. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. It's a Sky Atlantic, so it's on a Sky Box on the cal on demand the service. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I thought fantastic they should really do that with more shows it's like show the first episode at a particular time on the channel yep. and then boom all I the think rest. because of the world we're living in now you can see that happening more often yeah. it's great I love it yeah. and Sky the Sky Bolts is set up perfectly for when you're watching an episode it's going to download the next one so the next one's always ready, ready for you yeah. um, so from what I've seen the tra- I've seen the trailer for it uh-huh. basically what I've learned is um, Tim Ross a sheriff a British he's British but he comes out of America or Canada Canada yeah becomes a sheriff in like a small kind of like outback town essentially that's got like a big mining community yep. oil yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, but in the opening of the film or opening the show does, does his wife get killed well or attacked by someone in the like this is not a spoiler because uh, it happens like the first scene of the movie uh, sorry the TV show is 
there's a masked guy standing in front of the car. When he gets it, you're ready to get petrol. I've seen this in the cinema a few times, yeah. And then the gun fires, and then you don't know what's well, happened. Uh-huh. So, you see blood spray, don't you? you see yes. Uh-huh. And every episode is like that, uh, where uh, it starts off showing you the end of the cab episode, uh-huh. and then it's kind of working its way back to, to that point. how you get to this point. Yeah. Um, without spoiling it, is it good? Absolutely. Really uh-huh. good. I really enjoyed it. Visually, it's stunning. As you, it's set Just in Alberta. Yep. Calgary, so, isn't it? Yeah. Beautiful scenery. Yeah. Very kind of like minimalist kind of like cast in it. It's not a particularly big cast, but everyone in it is just absolutely striking. I called in, like we said, it's got Christine Hendrick in it. Mad Men. So, I mean, I love it. I mean, I mean for all these reasons, I do adore Christina Hendrick, but she's a great actor as well. I haven't started it yet, but I will get around to it. Yeah. Um, Tim Roth, obviously, always good. Absolutely. Yeah. He, you know, he's done everything under the sun. Almost. And he's never bad in a film, really, Tim Roth. No. Even in bad films, he's always enjoyable to watch, yeah. He kind of plays like a recovering alcoholic, and it was a sheriff, and then it kind of unravels really quickly. <laughs> Not spoiling this at all, because no. this all happens in the... First episode or so, yeah. First episode within the first 20 minutes. It kind of really gallops, like, speak quite quickly. Um, it kind of transpires that he's English, he's came over to a small town, then it kind of transpires that there's like a gang of like four guys who are also British kind of following them. The only thing that kind of detached me was from it all was it didn't really give you a kind of timeline but these like four British guys that were kind of trying to hunt them down they have somehow got jobs at the uh, oil company that's in this small town right? and you're like Oh, that's really, really convenient. convenient yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, how did how did all of these manage to get a job? And the only other bit after that was you never actually see these guys doing any work or nothing. It's like it's, really it's almost like they're just living at the oil company and then they spend most of their day and life trying to fuck with Tim Roth. Yeah. Um, not spoiling anything. Don't worry. I'm, 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 I am going to watch it. Yeah. Um, does it open up for a second season? My personal opinion is I hope they don't. I hope yeah. it's one and canned. But then, unfortunately. The way it ends, without spoiling it, it does leave it open where they could do some sort of. Oh, I think. Wait again. Certainly, I hate people doing stuff recently. Like, so have we watched Ray Donovan at all? No, I have not. Ray Donovan. Every season, of Ray Donovan is almost self-contained. Uh-huh. If they decide to go, this is the last one we're doing, and that's it. You go, I'm happily, I'm fine with that. But to bring it back, you're happy to see the continued adventures of Ray Donovan, essentially. Yeah. But if you if they just say like, this is the last one, you go, yeah. I'm happy with that. Everything is sort of condemned. Every series sort of does conclude in itself in a way you go, yeah, I'm, I'm content with that, I'm happy with that. So there's no real overarching story, it's just sort of, it's all very well self-contained. Which is a good thing, oh, especially yeah. from a TV point of view, because you never really know if it's going to get canned, if it's going to always yeah. continue, or what's going to happen. So it's almost a perfect way of doing it. There's something to be said for watching just a TV show, that, like for example, there's one on recently called 112263, the one about the Kennedy assassination, it was like a time travel one. Stephen, I've never seen it. On Steve, it's on Stephen King book, and it's been adapted from that. And I mentioned because it's, there's no scope for a second season of that, but it's a really well done miniseries. Yeah. Band of Bros as well, it's a perfectly brilliant miniseries. Pacific yep. again, definitely fantastic miniseries. Just do it as a one-off, event television, watch it there and that's your happy with it and you're good. That's cool. Um, what else did you watch this week on TV, you saw it interestingly? Um, I haven't finished it yet, but The Mist on Netflix. Ah, because we'll talk about Stephen King later on, yes. Is it any good? Uh, that seems like a no. Uh, the movie's fantastic. Uh, oh, the movie's the phenomenal. Movie's yeah, the movie's you can't fault it at all. For such a, for being a B movie, it strikes. But it gets you right in the heart. Yeah, it really yeah. does. It pulls in the, the strings. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
once again, it's another TV show that just starts off like boom, you're right in the action. So it's no messing about, no build up or nothing. Um, the only downside is, uh, like I say, I haven't finished, I've only watched five or six episodes, but I find the budget's a bit low, but I don't know if this was Netflix trying to stay true to the, the film, because right. it had such a cult classic feel about it. Um, it seems it seems to be good. I'm really hoping once again Netflix is just like one one season, boom, boom, done. done. Just to make me a vent moment, moment, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I really hope they don't spin it out, because to be honest, we've seen the movie. I personally have no idea how they could No, the movie ends in a way you go, holy shit, that's yeah. a fucking phenomenal ending. But leave it at that ending and just move on from that. Let's just try and process that ending. Yeah. Don't try and continue that on at all. Um, I don't know I don't know if it was just me picking up on this or that it's been a deliberate but uh, there's a there's a large chunk of the episodes uh, centred around um, people being sorry there's a family that's been split in two right. the dad's uh, running about somewhere and the mum and the daughter are somewhere else uh, went to a shopping centre yeah, okay. and there's like quite a few uh, episodes where it is centred around the shopping mall right, okay. and I don't know if that's maybe a weekend nod to Dawn of Dead yeah, yeah. or if that's just me going oh nice. I, mean, I think if you think if you put any horror on a shopping mall I instantly assume it's an homage to Dawn of the Dead even yeah. if it's not yeah. I just think well we're obviously not Dawn of the Dead but Remain on King we're, bit, we're very friendly with each other so it sounds like maybe on a weekend nod to not only Stephen King but obviously nod to the fact that he was with Romero and had friendship with Romero so it could be awesome possibly that that's how you've been watching on TV basically in the movie that's yep. it yep um, and then we'll talk about it later later on yeah we'll go into more Stephen King later on but anyway we're talking about movies that some of us have seen um, yeah Colin's not here, I don't think he's seen any either, and I'm quite glad he's not seen at least two of these because I feel Colin would be very angry with these two movies, <laughs> and I don't think he would um, particularly enjoy either of them. Um, the first one I saw um, was a film called God's Own Country. Okay. Have you heard this film yet? No, I've not, no. It is a British movie. It's been directed by a guy called Francis Lee, who's a feature film debut. He was an actor from director, which is something I can echo later on, actually. Um, I can't believe an actor in, but like I said, feature film debut. The plot, a lot of critics have been calling it, and it's very, it's not a nice way of saying it, or not the the cleverest way of saying it is it's Brokeback Mountain set in Yorkshire from that you can get where they're going to go it's, it's a basically it's, the plot of the film is it's, a, it's set during like, sort of the lambing season in, um, uh, in Yorkshire there's a guy who runs a farm it's like the, young, the oldest the only son in the family his dad's had a stroke so he can't do it and, he, and his mum's left and the grandma's quite elderly so he's basically running the farm by himself they bring in a Romanian um, like immigrant who sort of likes to help out a hand and basically these two guys fall for each other in a very and then passionate, passionate way, way. Yeah, we'll put it say passionate way um, it stars a guy called Josh O'Connor who he's been in kind of bit parts of a lot of stuff things like um, the programme the one about the the Lance Armstrong kind of story the uh-huh. kind of documentary or not documentary the, the film about that um, the Riot Club, which is quite interesting. Yeah. Um, also, Peaky Blinders. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've, you've seen Peaky Blinders. I have not, but I've heard of it. More about it, yeah. So he's in that as well. Um, the guy playing the, the immigrant, a guy called Alex Sekaranu, um, who's in the remake of The Saint, which apparently I've not seen. Apparently that's not bad, so I'm okay. looking forward to watching that. Um, also, a guy called Ian Hart, who's been in like a ton of TV and also Finding Neverland, which is a sort of big movie. He plays GM, not GM Barry, he plays someone else in that. He plays, um, I can't remember he plays that, but he plays someone quite. He plays a, a fictional author, a, a real author now whose name I cannot remember from the life of me right now. 
Um, and also Gemma Jones, who plays the grandma, she's in Bridget Jones, and pretty much every single TV show in Britain you can possibly imagine. <laughs> from, from about 1970 onwards, she's been in everything. Anyway, so, the film itself, it's, I'm really happy to say I really enjoyed it. I thought a really interesting sort of portrayal of love. Like, you know, um, and the idea that like, love is love, regardless if it's between a man and a woman, or a woman and a woman, or a man and a man, there's something there that they all have a passion for each other. You're smelling at me, you're about to get to it, I can see that in your face now. Um, <laughs> I was about to say a man in a <laughs> I mean, To be honest, I did see too much of things getting removed from sheep in this film. Like, we want in people inserting things in cows and stuff like that. Not anything they shouldn't be inserting in cows, I must say. But there's a lot of intimate farm behaviour, okay, in terms of what farmers have to do to their animals. Um, at times, I think the audience will be put off it's, it's, it's like it's a very close and personal story um, something perhaps too close for, for the mainstream audience um, like people if you're not down with some proper man on man loving which this has got some proper man on man action you're going to be put off by it a lot um, and it's not only like that it's, it's in a way a really kind of dirty version like it's not dirty as in like oh that's sexy more dirty it's like that looks unclean you know like they're all about mud and shit like that so it's like it feels like it's, 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 I mean if you're into it it makes it sexy yeah I didn't think it sexy so much, but I did get the passion that came across from it. Um, it's going for, for a social realism thing. It's very much the camera being sort of staying back, trying to focus on these as like, other people, trying to see them in a, in a realistic way. Um, for me, it's very much a one-time watch. There are genuine moments of real beauty in it. Mm-hmm. Where you're going to go, that's a really emotional, well-done film. Um, but it's going to be one of those films where you're not going to watch it once and that'll be you. You're not going to feel any need to go back to it. But definitely a film that's like, it's got, I've watched it and I really enjoyed it. I, think I was watching it and I had no issue with it in terms of the content, which is what maybe people should be nowadays. Um, but I enjoyed it and it's just as a portrait of what passion and love is. It was really nice. And happily I found out just today actually, that it did really well at the box office. Like it's got a good, it's a British independent film. They had a small release on its first week and it's actually expanded out. Oh, which is quite nice, you don't normally see that. Normally it's like you start small and if you're lucky to see it, you see it and then after that it disappears after the first week. Yeah, yeah. This has went from like one or two shows a day to like four or five over more cinemas. Oh, and it's done really awesome. well, so I'm really happy it's done. Um, hopefully guys all involved in it do go on to like other things and work on other work. Uh, I know the director's been sort of touted from like Hollywood and they're all kind of pitching at him because he's been so obviously, obviously made a very small window, made a lot of money, so there's a lot of um, interest in him. So, yeah, I gave it 7 out of 10. Like I said, it's not for everyone, most definitely not for everyone. Um, but those who do are going to go and see it. They'll see a really nice and maybe not romantic, but real passionate film. And you'll maybe, you'll maybe not identify with the people directly, but you understand what they're going through. And, I, and I, for that, I really enjoyed it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's not a film you normally expect people to go and see, but, or me going and see, but I, I really got it. I really dug it in a big way. That's um, awesome. And I'll definitely tell anyone who can go and see it to find it and have to definitely go and see it. That's good. Yeah. Maybe one will be on Netflix a couple of months' time, or a couple of years, a year's time or so time, you can maybe sit and watch it then. Yeah. Would you say it's... Would, in your eyes, would you say it's better than Brokeback Mountain or...? The Brokeback Mountain comparison is wrong, okay. for a start, okay? That, it just, the idea was gay farmers, essentially, that was the sort of where they went from. But no, it's a totally different film. Ah, you know, that, that's one thing it's got in common with Brokeback Mountain, you know? It's like trying to compare, you know, well, One River we're going to talk about in a minute with the Avengers just because it had Jeremy Renner. You know, it's like it's just this is one thing that just makes the same film, you know? And definitely I would say, because of the country, it's not Brokeback Mountain, 
in his wardrobe I'm out, you still go and see it, but it's, it's a different kind of film. It has a lot more positive than just that, so I'd definitely say you should go and see it. Sure. You can find it, yeah. So 7 out of 10 for that one. Um, next one I saw, I saw it last night, which I've decided I'm going to go to the cinema more with a football on in, in Glasgow because empty cinema. It was like me and two guys, it was amazing. That's what you want. That's what I want, just sitting back, chilling out, I could enjoy the film. No one was talking, no one was doing anything, I could just enjoy the film for what it was. That was the same with us, it was like one extreme to the other. It was Friday night, we had it, so biggest screen available and it was ramped through. Then on the Sunday we seen Detroit and you could not have had a more polar opposite. It was me, Stacey, a guy sitting himself, a woman sitting herself and an older couple that came in like two minutes into the movie. And that was that, you go, that, you know, no one's going to fucking annoy me when this is yeah. you can just sit back and you know, this I can do it in comfort and ease and not have to worry about anybody talking it through it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, One River, directed yep. by a guy called Taylor Sheridan. Uh-huh. Who, <coughs> I think he's just, no, he done one film a few years ago called Vile. Yeah. which I've not seen yet but he's more famous right now he's been Oscar nominated actually for Sicario oh yeah he wrote Sicario uh-huh. and he wrote Hell or High Water That's which is out last year was a fantastic film but try and find it you'll really dig it it's a really good film um, this film is a, based on a true story actually and it's sort of I don't know if it's one true story or if it's based on sort of a amalgamation of like a lot of true stories that are like coercive like sort of one one full story if you know what I mean um, but basically it follows um, Jeremy Renner it's on an Indian reservation Jeremy Renner's like sort of the local hunter sort of like animal wealth that not is it arm is it fisheries and wildlife organisation something like that he's like that like agent he finds a dead body on the Indian reservation they call in the FBI that's played by the old played by Elizabeth Olsen plays the um, FBI agent and investigating this murder on tribal land which causes also the problem because tribal land has different laws yep. and also idea of like sort of someone from the federal government a, a, a white person coming into the Indian reservation to investigate them also cause a lot of trouble as well because of the, the general racial tension between Wait, the suicides Ten Star very briefly touches on because in the village there's also like a reservation just yep. outside where the oil pipe is cut right through and all Absolutely, that yep. so yep so you see where it comes from yep. and you've got John Berthanel as well the guy from Walking Dead he plays Shane in Walking Dead he's also in The Punisher he plays The Punisher now in Daredevil yeah, yeah. Um, as well and also a guy called Graham Green who's a really you'll know him as an Indian actor you go like that's the Indian actor he plays, have you seen Green Mile yes he plays the chief in Green Mile see the one oh, yeah. right, him, he's in tons and t- really good really really solid good actor and uh-huh. he's always one of the guys that comes up to something and go this will be good because he's a good actor he plays sort of like the local he plays the local tribal law enforcement um, so it's quite a bleak film and much like probably a tin star it's set in a beautiful landscape you know it's set in I think it's Wyoming it's set at this point so it's all very very windy very sort of very time sunny time blizzard but always beautiful sort of mountainscape and snow and everything um, in that respect the bleakness is very similar to Sicario and Hill High Water there's a real kind of like ruggedness to it that really comes across on screen as well which I really like um, all the cast you imagine Jamie Renner Elizabeth Olsen John Berthnall Graham Green all very very good actors you know they're not going to not deliver on a film, you know, they know how to deliver this stuff. All excellent. Uh, the only downside was, a couple of downsides I didn't really like about it was, I wasn't sure if Jeremy Reynolds was supposed to be playing an Indian or not. At times it felt like he was playing a white guy who happened to get, who was married into the culture, uh-huh. which is what I thought at first. That's, he, got, he got a kid and he's divorced, but he's looking after the kid, that's how he didn't know as a guy that this, this other Indian woman married. But there's a moment he says a line in it, I'm going, 
be right. You may be Indian at this point, or you may be you may be Native American. I felt like that seemed like really bad casting, like sort of whitewash casting. It might be me totally just misreading the, the line in the situation. Oh, yeah. But it felt almost like he would try to explain that he was like part of the tribe in a way, um, which I thought was kind of odd. But again, it might be me totally misreading this. So I'm not entirely sure of that. Um, the other thing I didn't really like about it was there's a weird third act that didn't really work for me. Right. It, it goes along at a certain pace and everything's going on fine. I'm like, I'm intrigued to know what happens. Then it twists at this moment. I'm like, oh shit. And then it ends when I'm like, a wee bit later. I'm going, that felt like all the tension built up for the first two acts was killed off really quickly in this very quick third act. I felt like it was a big build up to get to this point. I felt a bit, you know, a bit of a waste. Like, if you could have done it slightly better. Yeah. And I mean, I'm a bit more interested in the film. But other than that, as a film, it's a, it's a really enjoyable film, really interesting film to watch. And in fact, it's based on a true story, but I'm not excited not to based on one true story or sort of like four or five and things all put together to make sort of one one story. Um, but Taylor Sheridan, he's, he's been a writer. I think I said Oscar nominated. I think he's a guy now you've got to watch out for. He could be a guy who can make a lot of decent a decent work. And should be the one you to watch out for. So yeah, again, seven out of ten. So it's seven out of ten weeks so far. Yeah, yeah. But definitely worth watching. I think that might be a bit longer in the cinema than God's Own Country. So I think it's in its second week now. And we'll then get expired out. I think it might die off after the second week. But Wind River should stay around in a couple of weeks. So if you get a chance to go and see it, definitely go and see it. Um, and on to which for both of us and probably surprisingly not surprisingly because should, we shouldn't be surprised by this but is It which has been the main event in the cinema for the past month and I, I don't know if you sell people at work and stuff like that people were talking about It at work for the past month to me huh? the people are genuinely just really excited about this film people were, were absolutely hyped to see this movie yeah. um, I saw it on a Friday night and you saw it on a Friday night as well I did I went and seen it because I knew the internet would ruin it ruin for it, yeah. everyone so absolutely packed cinema for you absolutely jam packed jam packed like, immediately it, I went it was jam packed to the point where people were queuing before the like the screen doors yes, opened. Yeah. So you're like, so effectively, there's two queues going on within the cinema. Alright. And that's the first time I've ever experienced well, that. I saw it five forty on a Friday. Yeah. And it was mobbed, and every screen that one I was in was sold out, and everyone after that was sold out as well, which is nuts. I'm not seeing that since the Force Awakens. Yeah, yeah. That's the most I compared to in terms of actual like, sort of cinema attendance. And put it in particular as well. I went to see Wind River like to yesterday, and it was empty. But the floor I was on the cinema was absolutely jam packed. I thought, oh my god, Wind River's really pulling them in this week. Yeah. And it turned out, no, it was shown in the next stream. So everyone just streaming into it. So it's doing massive business. I think you said, what we thought, sorry, you talked about earlier, what's the business it's done so far? Uh, opening weekend in the US is 123 million. And worldwide? Worldwide, you're rolling in at 198 million dollars. Which is insane money for a horror movie. Oh, for like an opening weekend alone, <laughs> it's, it's massive. Yeah, especially like we kind of touched on it off, off record, was its budget. You know, just for the film alone, not marketing was thirty-five million, which is a small bit of change in the kind of Hollywood eyes. Absolutely, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, things like Deadpool as well cost that, like thirty-five, forty million. If you can keep your budget low and you can make something that catches people's attention, and you can make a shit ton of money, you don't, you don't have to throw like three hundred million, like you know, your Transformers money. I mean, you can, if you make something interesting and low budget, people will go and see it if you can capture the audience. But onto the film itself. Yep. Directed by Andy Machete. I think I said Machete. You know, you know, I think I said pronounce the name. Uh, do you directed? Anything you know you directed? Have you done before this? Um, no, I think I loosely googled them and the only thing that seemed major was a movie called Mama. Mama is a really good film. Have you seen it? It's a very good movie, a really good horror film, really different kind of horror film. It's produced by Guillermo del Toro, um, but it's got a real kind of 
quite like it in the sense that they sort of they've got quite a human heart to it as well. Uh-huh. Um, you get Jessica Chastain playing a real cool punk rock bass player, and she pulls it off really well. I really liked her as that. Um, but no, if you can actually see Mama, it's a really good film, really well done movie, really good horror, um, but again, real heart and soul to it. So really well worth watching. The um, only other small trivia about it was um, the director asked all the kids who they would like to play in the sequel because uh-huh. in the sequel they're adults yeah. in the later part of the book and I thought that was such a, like, a kind of nice wee thing like take the kids aside and like who do you want to play as like your adult and I was like oh, that's actually quite nice who did they say anyone like do you know who they said um, the only person well, I, I can't remember who said it but one of the wee fellas uh, wanted uh, Golden Joseph Levitt to play for him I see Richie. Is he going to go to fill that movie for a role? I can see that. But yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Maybe a bit maybe like a bit too young. Uh, just a bit. Maybe a bit too young. Just a bit. Still got a bit of a baby face going on. Ah, yeah, maybe, maybe a bit too young. Maybe. But, um, yeah. the, the basic plot of the film, if you don't know the film, is um, town essentially terrorised by a clown called Pennywise, yeah. who basically takes children. In fact, not even children, quite young adults actually. Some of them are like maybe like 15, 16, something like that. Yeah, generally angry under the age of 18 is. It's prime to this, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but more than that, sort of, like, the kids sort of start to unlock there's something else wrong with the town. The town is sort of in itself cursed in some way. Uh-huh. And it is sort of the manifestation of that curse. Yeah. That would be right to say. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it does, from what I remember, follow the story of the original film quite closely and of the book relatively closely as well. Yeah. Um, apart from the teenage orgy, which is not in the film. Which we're all happy that it's not in the film. Do you think that would make us all feel awkward? But King did say in, a, in an interview at one point, he said, um, "It's interesting that in my book, the thing that got the most attention was the teenage Aussie and not the fact of young children getting murdered." Which yeah. tells you we need to know about America at that time. You know, it's like that's the thing. The, the sex is a problem, but the teenage killing. Ah, oh, that's fine. We'll do that. That's fine. Um, starring um, Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise yep. a role made famous by obviously Tim Curry in the original one um, Bill Skarsgård has been in Atomic Blonde recently and also in Allegiant but other than that he's been quite sort of minor roles and also he's in um, a lot of things I want to say Norwegian or Swedish films he's been in sort of like sort of minor kind of stuff like not stuff they didn't really get shown as much over in this part of the world but as Pennywise what do you think of him as Pennywise? oh I thought it was I think he played oh, it sorry, as a film generally what do you think of the film generally? in general I thought it was brilliant like I've openly admitted that I'm not a fan of horrors but right. as this was only rated 15 over here I thought it was very enjoyable not particularly scary you know a few jumpy moments you know but yeah. overall I thought it was a, a good first part and I was kind of happy where the movie had finished I thought it kind of finished that kind of chapter very well um, yeah enjoyed it absolutely can I had a sprinkling of like um, Stranger Things all over it. Yeah, and yeah I had that kind of feel like when all the boys are ripping into each other. And yeah, just, it worked you know, well. Stand by me as well. I thought a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm just childish, like just like childish ripping. A lot of your mama jokes. Yeah, yeah. A lot of like your mama jokes, <laughs> <laughs> which even at, even at thirty odd, we can still appreciate your mama joke. You oh, know? absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of the same as you. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a really fun film. The problem I had with it was it's pictures of horror and I just found it completely and utterly not scary. No. Like zero scare them at all. Everything I thought was really any of the horror parts of it I thought were so signposted mm. and so just generic horror that I did not get get me at all. No. But 
the coming of age story amongst the kids yep. I thought it was phenomenal I, it really, that got me in a big way and that pulled me through the film all the way through the film yeah if it wasn't for that side of the story being so strong I think like I probably would have switched off and been quite bored because it does have a, a long running time it's as well. 2 hours and 15 or yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so time. in terms of a horror movie it's quite long yeah um, but I certainly like the kids and all that definitely pulled it through and just their interaction you could see that they've almost became if they're not pals before this movie they've certainly became pals on the film yeah uh, I the only thing that was scary in the film was not even to me was it scary but the idea was clowns are scary you should be scared of a clown so anything the clown appears you should be scared by the clown and most of the time I just wasn't scared by it no like nothing really made me go oh poor shit clown nothing like not and the biggest jump scare in it is in the trailer yeah the one with, in the bathroom. Yes, that's in the trailer. Yeah, and I think that I knew it was coming. So like that's how. Com- if you maybe if you maybe left that and not put it in the trailer, maybe it would have got me. I don't know. If it, I don't know if Phil Phil was been telling that for a little bit. But if I put it in the fucking trailer, like I know this is coming. I think that's a problem. Just with modern movies and trailers nowadays. You know, um, out of the cast, who's your favourite? Who do you enjoy the most in it? Um, I'm trying to think of the wee fella's name. Are you talking the fat one. I did like him, but it was actually Finn. Finn, uh, Finn, Finn Wolfhard? Uh, yes. Playing Richie? Just purely because he had all the best lines. He did. Did he have the line of when the guy breaks his arms, like, get the fuck away from me? I, mean, I thought it was a great line, I thought it was yep. really funny. Yep. Yeah, like, get the fuck away from me now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I really liked, I thought the young girl was really good in it. Um, Sophie, I think her name's Ellis, I think her yes. name is. Uh, uh, Lyle, sorry, is it Lyle's? Yeah, sorry, Sophie Lyle's. Yeah, she, I thought she was really good. She, yeah, she, she played it really well, and unfortunately she had a bit of like a sinister story going on between her and her dad but, but that's the thing I thought about the film like the horror the kids are, are having in the real world is infinitely more terrifying a lot of times than the actual horror that's going on with the sort of supernatural part of it like one of them's getting abused by their dad yeah one of them's got a mother who's obviously got something weird about it as well yeah a total helicopter mother going on uh huh you've also got a problem with um another one as well like the young the, the fat kids obviously been, I keep on the fat kid his name's Ben and he's really good at it. Jeremy Ray Taylor he's really enjoy one it but he's a chubby kid. Yeah. He was sort of obviously he's struggling with loneliness, he's been like bullied and he's lonely and stuff like that. Um Richard Richard's the one who's left the home, isn't he? He's the one who would have held the mother, isn't he? Richard. Yes. Um the other ones get the other ones get the other ones obviously talked about the fact that his young brother get taken away. Yes. He's talked about that. So the, the, what's happening in the real world is, is obviously is more terrifying almost and by those demons more than actually the clown is sort of a second reaction like something that happens to be there now and again so like I said that like, you get the whole like you said train your things is a big influence on it I thought but then as I think more Stephen King's a big influence on Stranger Things, so naturally anything done now will have a Stranger Things vibe because you try to emulate Stephen King. Yeah, it's, it's like a circular kind of thing, you know. It's like it's not you can't really tell what came first. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but it did feel a lot like like the stuff with the kids felt very Stand by Me. Like it felt so much like Stand by Me. Which is not a bad thing. Mm. Not a bad thing at no. all. Bring back the whole Stand by Me, apart from something. Bring back the rest of Stand by Me cast as old people yeah. or older guys and make them play this role. Yeah. yeah I was happy to do that. Because the general is now really thin. Because when you see the town that uh, it was set in, you could have almost mistaken it for the town in the 50s that uh, Stand by Me was set yeah. in. And you know, it's just a small back town in the middle of nowhere in America, and you're just 
sat there like, this actually looks quite a nice quaint place to live. Quite apart from the fact that people, like, people are getting taken away, like, the mother average, the mother rates like 20 times the national average. That's alright, but I don't sound so... We're okay, we can yeah. live there, we're happy, we've got to live with the fear of our children getting taken, but other than that, we're okay. Um, just have to turn their blind eye. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so I said, young cats were all excellent. Everyone gets a wee moment, I thought. Like, no one was left out. Everyone had a, like, be it, just, everyone had their own little moment. Go, oh, that's, that's your moment on on, on camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really nice. Uh, like, I loved the bit when they're all watching the old sunbathing. Mm-hmm. I, thought, I, I thought it was, like, really sweet and really, like, really romantic. In a way, kind of romantic as well. Like, they've all just, as I'm, every single one of them all just fell in love with this girl. Yes. Like, instantly in that one moment, we all went, right, we love this girl now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, like, what did you think of Pennywise, like Bill Scully as Pennywise? I thought he played it really well. He played it different from... Yeah, I think he has to. I don't think he could have played it the same as the original fella. Yeah. I think he always had to have his spin on it, and the fact that they did change the makeup and... Uh, I think that was important. I think if you make it too much like the original makeup, you can have a real problem. Absolutely, because then folk will just be like, well, you know, it's, you maybe should have kept on using the original guy then, but no, it's, I think he'd done it really well and he played it really sinister. Like, there was a lot of moments where you're like, ah, you've, you've got that look. You're quite creepy. Yeah, you're quite creepy. Yeah. Um, Colin, although can't be here, as obviously said, big Stephen King fan, as we learned in episode 13, mm-hmm. we discussed everything Stephen King. Colin was everything with Stephen King. He <laughs> chimed in with a few things, we think I can tell you what he said things of it. He oh. loved it. Fantastic. He thought the kids were awesome. He thought it was the best King Horror adaptation to date. Um, all the all the horror things, other better adaptations like sort of like Shawshank and Green Mile and all that stuff better. It's a better adaptation. Um, he preferred Tim Curry Pennywise over the Scarsgar one. He said he's not a fan of the weird bunny teeth that the Scar- Scarsgar had. Yeah. A bit odd. And he kind of get it from almost like protruding lip. At times, he said he didn't really want to be a fan of that. Um, he liked to really enjoy the use size and scale, like you bet like with the um, the projector. Yes, that was quite a cool scene. Yeah, the, there was a lot of that that I found was really enjoyable in this oh. movie. It was just the kind of little bits where they kind of uh, squeeze Pennywise into like scenes. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, hello, uh, yeah. hello. Like the projector bit was fantastic. It's well done. I mean, yeah. I didn't find it scary, but I found it well done. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. um, he also thought that. The bit when the bit of start we've all seen like sort of the bit with the, the boat and uh, the wee boy getting like an attack then. Yeah. So that was quite horrific, that was quite violent. Yeah. The rest it wasn't really. He said that I know it's Hollywood doesn't like kill children off, but he said that had a, again more horror. Like it's more of a horror element thing, that's what a lot of people wanted. Um I think that scene made it rougher was the fact that there was a woman that came out of a house where the drain was and she was messing about with like something out in the in the mm. kind of landing thing. And you could tell that she quite blatantly seen everything that was going on yeah. that turned a blind and died to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he enjoyed Skarsgård as it. Didn't like the um, point teeth and a wee bit of understanding at times. Yeah. Like a dialect. And he didn't like the fact that for a lot of the film, Pennywise's main move is to run at you with arms waving. Yes. So it's not really that scary. You know, it's, I think that kind of harks back to me because it's like a kid, it's a kid's fear. Uh-huh. So it's like, what's scary for a kid? will never be really as scary for an adult, so I think that's maybe like where a lot of it was coming from. Well, yeah, um, he said another thing he wants you to, us to know, he's an interesting fact, he's not going to call bring him an interesting fact even though he's not here, it's about when Pennywise does things with his eyes that go in opposite directions. Oh, okay. That was, they're going to do it with CGI, but then the actor said he can do it. Uh-huh. So all the stuff his eyes go in a weird operation, the actor doing it for real, it's not um, an right. effect. That's awesome. That's really cool, I thought it was really cool. Um, but yeah, so that's Colin's little 
chime in of what you thought of it. So he really enjoyed it. Yep. I think he gave it about eight or nine out of ten. Yep. And yourself, you give it out of ten. I'm going a solid eight. Maybe solid eight. Pushing nine. Pushing nine. Yeah. yeah. Just probably the, the lack of horror brought it down for you a little bit. Well, as I can take a leave that. So okay. you know. So what, what brought it down a little bit? Was it the running time or was it? Was it? Um. Nah, I got you thinking now. What ruined it for? What made it not a ten out of ten? I just I never like to give anything ten out of ten because I always feel like well especially because we know this is a two part right so you think the second that, part yeah, might yeah. ruin the you're waiting to see the full thing in a one hole yes that's it, that's it. I feel like it's, it's an incomplete story yeah the conclusion of it is the fact that it's a it's a it's a poor ending because it's not a it's not a triumphant end it's not it's ending from the first one mm. but it's not <laughs> the ending you want like you don't see a victory in it essentially no and you know there's always another part to it so that's what makes it feel like incomplete to an extent. Absolutely. Yes. So, I feel like, and the problem is because it's done so well as well. This is a lot of pressure on the director now. Massive pressure on the director and the writers and stuff like they're really going to have to bring it now. Not just that, the, the director or not the director, the, the studio like they make you say they made this one for thirty five million. There's no, there's not, there's not a single name in this film. It's all young actors, probably get paid pretty minimal, like probably a good chunk of change, yeah. but not massive money. Um, probably Bill Skarsgård's probably the biggest name in it, and he's like a big name, he's probably picking up an average amount, not picking up a big amount. The next film, I'm going to imagine, they're, have to, they're going to have to cast some stars in it, and it's who to cast in it, that can end up bumping the budget up yep. a fair chunk, yep. and if the budget gets bumped up to a point where it's going to be, it's, you know, it's going to be hitting close to the 100 million mark, it be more than that, then you've got a big interest that you want to make sure the film hits as big now as it did. So big then as it did now, yep. and I got a feeling that because of like a horror, that made people go off the next one. People, people see it as a horror film, and it wasn't like a horror film. Um, and also, even if you, have you watched the original recently, the original TV show, I have not. No, but if you I remember, don't. if you're trying to think back and remember, of the original TV show, it's the kids' story is the most interesting part. Right, like the coming of age thing makes that story. Mm-hmm. I don't see where, what you get. What's the the side story in the one with the adults? The only thing is I... it revisiting like old haunts or something. Is it that the idea behind yeah. it? You know, is like where do you, where do you go to make it interesting beyond the horror part of it? Well, that's what I was just about to say. The only thing they could really do in the sequel, uh, sorry, part two, sorry, was um, just really ramp up the, the horror, horror, make a proper horror, horror, you know, like a proper because you're now dealing with horror. adults, not yes. children. That I mean, that's the option to go with. You make a proper horror movie, and actually you can really go for it. Yeah. And I'm giving it seven. I'm giving it seven out of ten. Okay. And that's purely because it's not a horror film. Yeah, yeah. And it's pitched it, everything about the trailer, everything about the, the the film itself pitches it as a horror film. Absolutely. And because it's not a horror film in the in the, in the movie. It lied to you. A little bit, yeah. But as I said, the stuff, the coming of age stuff, absolutely adored, absolutely loved. I'm a huge Stephen King fan, as I've mentioned recently. And um, I love Stand By Me, I love Stranger Things, and there's so much of that in it that I'm absolutely on board with it. But yeah, more horror, I'll give it 8, 9, 10 out of 10, but yeah, just, it didn't have horror, and for that, to me, I'm just, that lets me down a little bit. Okay. And maybe I'm just desensitised to horror now. But even in the cinema itself I was in, I didn't hear a lot of screams or gaps or anything. No, I heard a lot of people kind of laughing. laughing. More laughter than screams. Yes, and kind of doing impressions of like Pennywise and that. Oh. Um, yeah, Stacey got introduced to the world uh, of, of the punk band Pennywise because I had explained that the band had got their name from the original. Did we see Pennywise once live? We might have. Pennywise Australian? No, they're American. Who did we go and see that was like their supporting lesson, Jake? Renzo Rom, maybe? They're, no, they're I'm sure it was Pennywise. 
Pennywise have only been in the in the UK a handful of times. Me, you went to it was like we had Lesson Jay was the main act, but it's somebody before it, and I'm sure it was Pennywise or something like that. Was it not Pennywise before them? I think it was. It was, a, it was like one of those tours, it was a double tour type thing. Yes. I can't think who it was now. Remember me, you, Stacey and Jill went to it? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I remember Lesson Jay being a lot more entertaining than the band who came before. Yes. Yes, I remember that part of it, yeah. Ew. That'll come back to me. At some point, yeah, we'll remember it at some point. So, that's what it was, yeah. After the movie, on the way back home, um, I had put on the song Pennywise by Pennywise. Yellow Card. Yellow Card. Yellow Card, the band, not Pennywise, Yellow Card. It's just a kid with it, right? Yeah. Continue. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe about 30 seconds into the song, Stacey all of a sudden perked up and she starts really listening to the lyrics when they're, when they're openly, when the song's about the clown. Uh-huh. And it was just like a nice moment of going, Here's a band from like that I've always liked. And you still get connection to it. Yeah. She understands it now. This band got their name from the original clown, and they've also done a song about the clown. A Pennywise, a, a punk. Yes. Punk scar, or just like punk. No, just punk. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Kinda, uh, I, one of the bands I know the name of them. Kind of started in the kind of like early nineties, maybe even late eighties. Kind of just that kind of they were in California. Oh, yeah, like, yeah. The whole punk so it's that, kind of, it's that kind of bad religion kind of offspring yes. sound yes, yes. alright cool I'll, oh, I'll definitely look for them they're fantastic no I'll definitely he's one of the bands I know of them but never actually like sort of looked into them so I'll have to you can watch the movies I'll listen to Pennywise yeah. okay yeah. Um, so 7 out of 10 for me you're saying 8 or 9 yes Connor's also saying 8 or 9 but we both I think all three would agree there's a real lack of horror Yes. Yes. Which is not a bad thing in my eyes. <laughs> you just get your big scary cat, yeah. Yes. But no, definitely, it's definitely worth going to see, and I think it will be around for a while because it's making all the money. Well, the opening night in the cinema that's closest to myself, Empire, on the Friday opening night, it had two showings at 8 o'clock and quarter to 9. The Saturday, the next day, it went from two showings on the Friday, jumped up to six showings. Holy shit, so just like, they just pulled everything else out of cinema and just went, we're going to go with it only. Pretty much. Wow. And I was like, holy moly. So it was like on from like midday essentially, right through to like the last showing at night, and like I was said, like, okay. Like I said, I only ever seen the cinema as busy as what I've seen it was for Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think we have even Avengers, all the Iron Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, all the Marvel, all the DC, even Superman versus Batman. Mm-hmm. The cinema was not as packed and not as like sort of just rammed with people and as it was for it. And like I said, at work, everyone was talking to me about it because I was another big movie fan at work. Yeah, yeah. All I heard were people talking about it, when's it out, when's it out, and it's like they didn't, no one really cared about anything else. Like people were just upset for this film. And must, we're, we're of the age of like mid 30s or early 30s, sorry, where this film meant something to us because we saw it maybe as a young young kids so it has something in our, in our sort of zeitgeist where maybe people who are older or younger don't get it yep. but for a certain branch of like, people we know people we're friends with are all about it so everyone I know on my Twitter or, like, on, Jill, on Jill's Facebook or something else, they're all going to see this film yeah, yeah. even my friend Ella Man who doesn't see many films like because he's always got kids he's got kids and stuff like that he doesn't only get out maybe once every couple of couple of weeks for a film even he's going to see fucking it because he's like going I have to see this film because like, you're just part of who you are yeah. a part of like sort of just what you grew up as a kid knowing and what and something that you have to see and I think it's also kind of to do with also like the internet pulling everyone together it's also you know everyone's talking about it so you yeah. always have a like oh what's going on yeah. type feeling about like you absolutely to. yeah you feel like you won't be the one person misses out yeah right, okay so we've got to the last film I saw this this week um, you've not seen this one but you have seen this, the, the first one yes so we thought about that as well um, because we're both big hockey fans yes we are big hockey fans and part of being a big hockey fan the film we all love is Goon 
We all do love Goon. Goon is a great movie. Um, and they brought a sequel out recently called Goon, The Last of the Enforcers. Okay. Directed by Jay Baruchel, okay. who's in the film as well. Right, he okay. plays a little noisy mate in the film. He's like his best friend. Yeah. He also wrote the first one as well. Oh, okay. So he's yep. now writing and directing the first one. He's directing the debut. Pretty much all the cast come back, apart from Eugene Levy, who decided he's like, fuck this, I'm not coming back for it, which is amazing why Eugene Levy will come back. Yeah. You also get Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, who plays a hockey player who, and, and interestingly, he was a hockey player. Wyatt Russell's son was a hockey player. Kurt Russell's son was a hockey player oh, at a decent level. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also Elijah Cuthbert pops up in it as well, okay. looking a lot chubbier than you remember from 24. Oh. She's, she's, she's like, not in a bad way, she looks, still looks very pretty, she's still a lovely lady. Yep. But like, whoa, I'm like, whoa, double take, I'm like that. <laughs> you know, maybe a couple of kids, who knows, but there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, the plot of this film is, it's say about 10 years later, the Highlanders are struggling again, <laughs> as they have done in the past. Um, but there's a new boy in the scene, White Russell plays a new enforcer on the scene, and he basically kills Sean William Scott mm-hmm. in the first fight they have, and Sean William Scott has to retire. Okay. Okay, what's his name again? Um, Glatt? What's his first name? It's something Glatt. Doug Glatt. Yep. Doug the Thug Glatt, that's his name. Yep. Because um, he has to retire from hockey, but then the Highlanders start getting beat up, start losing games, he comes back to play hockey uh, with the assistance of Lee Schreiber playing the Ray, the boss Ross. Um, we teach him how to play hockey properly and not be a fighter, try and be like sort of a player as well. I love the original. Yes. You love the original as well? I do. It's a proper hockey movie and it feels, you feel, even if you're not a hockey fan, everyone you know who's not a hockey fan you give this film to, they all get something, there's a real heart to the first film. Yeah, it's like, just, just, there's a little bit of everything in it for uh-huh. everyone, you know? And you feel, unfortunately, this, the sequel does not deliver that at all. They lose all heart in this film, it's got none of it in it at all. Um, it focuses solely on the violence part of it, which to me is not the main point of the film. No, it's not even it's not even the main point of hockey. hockey no, but it's yeah. think people, I think everyone knows hockey and no violence. That's not part of the game. Yeah, and maybe for me, maybe as a purist of the game, that's what annoys me a bit more about it. Yep. But it just basically relies on this like lazy dick jokes and like sort of crude humour, uh-huh. which I had a little bit in the first one, but it was overridden by all the heart and soul that the first one had. Absolutely, this is not got at all. And I said, there's bits in the first one that we'll do all the time in a minute. But I have fucking adore. Like, I genuinely love it, but I wanted to love this film, and I don't want to talk about it any longer because it really, it really hurt me how much I disliked it, and I did love it a lot. I loved the original so, so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm giving it four out of ten. Oh, excellent. Yeah, four, give it four because there are a few moments you enjoy. And there's hockey in it. And there's hockey in it, which gets, a, gets at least two. You know, yeah. get at least two. Um, but overall, it's a real mess. Don't bother with it. Go and watch the original. The original's phenomenally good. Yeah. It's one of the best films I've seen in a long. It's one of a pure. We said guilty pleasures recently. Remember talking about that the other yeah, day. Yeah. But this is better. Like, this is it's just, just a great fucking movie. Um, so, nah, four out of ten. And it hurts me to say it, but four out of ten. That's low. That is low, and it hurt me to do it I, because. Do you know how long it's been since the original movie released to this one? I think it must be close to maybe eight or nine years, I think, roughly something like that. It's been a while, yeah. Do you... When did Goon come out? 2011, so it's six years since it came out? Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's been a while. I feel like the odd... I feel like... Do you think the time has passed? Do you like, think there's been too long between the original, I so... I feel that... It's lost. I feel the first Goon was lightning in the bottle. Uh-huh. And they've captured something really special for that. And the same way they did with Anchorman. Yes. Really special. You can see oh. our super troopers. Yeah. You get something really perfect in that. In this that moment, you find to catch something brilliantly. It scares me <laughs> what they're going to do to super troopers. With a sequel, you feel like it's never going to capture that brilliance of the original. Anchorman, we all know. Love, love Anchorman. Fantastic. You yep. watch the sequel. 
it's shit. It's awful. There's moments in the sequel where it's almost like the same jokes, written slightly different and yeah. just set in a different bit. Yeah. And I was just like, I'm really disappointed oh, yeah. in all this. And actually, like, you try to capture that lightning again and that, that sort of that real, that heart. Like, it keeps in heart, but that's what the film is like. It, doing it itself is full of heart. Yep. And to try and capture that again, they, they couldn't do it. And it's a real shame. And it, it scares me what's going to happen with Super Troopers. Yeah, same here. I'm, I'm, I really hope that it's going to deliver yeah. because the first one was so funny. The first one is one of my favourite comedies the last like, 20 years. Like, yes. I absolutely adore it. But absolutely. I have real fears about the, the new one. Um, anyway, but leading on from Goon, we talked with Stephen King last week. We can't really talk with Stephen King from like two weeks after, two weeks after we talked about him. So, sport movies in general. Okay. Because I'm mentioning Goon. Um, sport is a weird thing because you feel like it, a bit like video games. You feel sports should make good movies. Yes. So it's got it's got like you no know, drama, it's got passion, it's always got the you know they kind of great stories. But most sport movies, I think you agree. I hope you agree. Suck. Yes, it's once in a blue moon. That yes, I one that really works. Yeah. It, unfortunately, it's, it's it's one of those subjects where it almost lends itself better to being like a documentary. Yes documentary style movie rather than a storytelling. Like dramatisation yeah, it. it's dramatisation yeah. um, Like for example, like 30 for 30 ESPN do are yeah. phenomenal because they tell a story but they do it by documentary style. Yes. So, can you think, what is your favourite sports movie? What's the one you watch and you go, that's a film for me I love? Um, in the last two years, I know I, had, I watched the full Rocky Saga. Fair enough, a boxing film, yeah, it's a, yeah. Rocky, it's a boxing film, yeah. Um, but the problem with that, not the problem with the thing, but Rocky is a, a boxing movie, but the, the, the boxing is only a small part of that film, the, whole, the film is more about the, the person himself. Mm. It's, 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 a, it's a survivor story. It's a it's an underdog story. Yep. That's it's not about the actual sport itself. It's no. such, you know, all mistakes I can back backside to it. The, uh, the box is sort of like the, the actual is the framing device of it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I did see Randy. Is it Randy? The American football one. Rudy. Rudy. Sean Aston playing yes. Rudy. Yes. Yes. I like that one. I like that one. That, that made you cry. Yeah, that's yep. a good one. Yeah, I like. I like. I like the like, like, lining, the lining gun when someone's crying. He goes, "Did you watch Rudy last night?" And he's like, "Yeah." <laughs> 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 he's like, but, yeah. yeah, Rudy is a good. It's a good proper like sort of. I know it's really odd, but it's. I know it sounds really dumb, but American sports make better movies than say like. You think of a good like football soccer movie? Yeah, and it's you're not finding it if anything. If you're finding a football movie that's good, it's usually about the hooliganism. Yes, yeah, it's Green, it's Green Street or it's football fans or something like that. Yeah, it's not about the football itself. Yeah, um, I can't make any at all. No. That's good. It's keep the victory. People talk about it and they have a passion for it because it's like a it's like a childhood thing. But it's a shit film. Is it okay? It's a bad, bad movie. Yeah, it's an awful film. Um, when Saturday comes, the one I can really think of is that's a decent football movie. Right. I quite like that one. And Fever Pitch as well. That's a bit. That's not about the games, but the, the supporters. Uh huh. And he's basically like he's, his whole life is tied up in Arsenal in the league. So Arsenal won the league. Someone wins the league who's not won it for a while. I think it might be Arsenal. I yeah. can't remember exactly. But his whole life is and his whole love life is tied up in this thing. They remade it recently, or maybe recently, last like twenty years. Um, where. Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore. Right, okay. It's one of the bait they do, but rather being Arsenal, other Arsenal team, it's Red Sox baseball. Oh. They won the World Cup for the first time, and again, the whole story revolves around that thing. But again, it's the fact that it's revolved around a diff- the, 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 the sport is a frame the base rather than actually being about the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've, I've written a few that I actually like. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I. 
Number one, Goon. Like, yeah, we mentioned fucking love Goon. Yep. It's got the scene in Goon when the guy is, when then you see Sean and Scott and Lee Schreiber sitting in the diner talking. Uh-huh. It's one of my favourite scenes in all of cinema. Nice. I think it's absolutely perfect. Just about when Ray tells him, he goes like, you, they only like you when you bleed. That just to me just sums up sport. Or everyone loves everyone loves their soldiers until they come home. Yeah, that's it. That is just sport and it's summed up in that one line like and it's fucking great. Yep. And his line was it like was it also line something he goes to him, You've got the shit kid. Like you've got it, whatever the fucking is, you've got it. But if it never comes between me and you, I will knock you the fuck out. And I just <laughs> I just love the delivery and sleep was fantastic in it. Yep. I love that one scene. But the whole film is so good is just a great sport movie. Um on also a big hockey fan, Slapshot. Yep. Which yep. is sort of like the, the predecessor to Goon almost, yeah. Yes. But again, it's Paul Newman playing a hockey player. If you love Paul Newman, you love hockey, you can fucking love the film. It's a great hockey film. It's a great sport movie, it's just a great movie completely. The fact even when I go to a hockey match now, you still people see people dressed in slap shot jerseys. Oh nice. People still love that film. It's made in like 1972 or something, it's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, Any Given Sunday, Oliver Stone. American football about like, like a fictional like Los Angeles football team. It's all the stone. It's batshit crazy. It shows, it shows a lot at you. It's got Jamie Foxx as a quarterback. Uh-huh. It's, it's, a, it's a really well done film, cool. but it's not seen by enough people. But it's, it's a really good, really good sport film. You see, it's like the, the, the behind the scenes and also how that affects personal life and stuff like that. Really enjoyed any of the Sunday. Cool. Um, of dreams. Yes. Yes. Love Fuller Dreams. Absolutely. Yeah, it makes you cry. And again, but it's not about baseball, it's about... I know, it, it almost seems like with sport movies, it's, it's like, that is a sport going on, but, you know, it's almost like it takes, like, completely second place to everything else that's going oh. on, like the drama between people. Exactly, uh, that's when, like, Fuller Dreams of Passion is baseball, but it's also like, it's all about family, it's all about maybe trying to capture that something from youth, it's trying to, like, sort of remember your father and things like that, and trying that, that longing for something that's lost, mm. just happens to be baseball something to centre it around, yeah. which is great. Um, I was like League of Their Own. Have you seen League of Their Own? No. League of a great. It's a really good fucking baseball film yeah. about a, a women's baseball league during the war. Okay. Because couldn't always the men weren't all fighting, so they just they put entertain people back home. Yeah. It's got Tom Hanks. It's got um, Rosie O'Donnell. It's got Madonna. Gina Davis. It's a really good film. A genuinely good film. Like I really love it a lot. Um, Mighty Ducks. Yes. Yes. Of course. Mighty Ducks. <laughs> As a Sunday Sunday afternoon <laughs> staple. Yes. Mighty Ducks. Um, otherwise, I like. I'm not going to pitch into my build up. Uh, build Durham. Another good hockey. Another good um, baseball film. Kevin Costner. Um, Longest Shard. Yes. Not the shit Adam Sandler one. Oh, okay. Do you like Adam Sandler one? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> God, having to admit that. Having to admit that one. I like the the Burt the Reynolds one. It's based on. It's, it's a lot. It's not as funny. It's more just a. It's a grittier sort of version of it. Okay. But same idea. Yeah. Guards versus prisoners. Um, replacements. Are the replacements? No. Keanu Reeves, also Gene Hackman, basically it follows back in the ni- early 90s, I think it was a lockout in the NFL, uh-huh. so rather than shut the league down, the NFL basically bought in loads of, um, what's the word, um, like basically scabs to play, uh-huh. so you've got like a, a Welsh kick- rugby kicker who's doing like the, the kicking, you've got like guys who played in college who've never made a, made a career, mm-hmm. and they're really good, and they're people enjoy watching them, so it's a really, really fun film, it's kind of like, again, touching on, like, Finding a dream and all that kind of stuff, so it's really good. And also, Space Jam is a lot of ba- the only background thing I like with Space Jam. Yeah, it's just Bugs Bunny playing basketball. Uh, hope yourself, anything that jumps out, like sort of better sport films and have the, the sort of the only, players I've thought of. The only one that's going to come into mind that I'd seen in the last few years was Rush. Yeah, good, good, yeah. Absolutely fantastic story that, like, 
I don't know who directed it. Ron Howard. Ron Howard. Yeah. But he, I think he really just captured the rivalry between the two drivers. Yeah. And the fact, and just that whole entire era of like seventies uh, F one, when like safety was not an option. Like, so yeah. Like, yeah. Was, yeah. He, he, like he burns, doesn't he? he? He's caught a fire, doesn't he? Yes. And then when he crashes and he starts burning and stuff, um, the other fella actually pulls over and he tries to rescue him. Uh-huh. And there's actual uh, footage of the of the event on YouTube, and you see him. Like the driver just he just he's struggling to cope with it mm. uh, the fact that he's watching his rival and almost friend because as much as we kind of that is, is it Louder was the guy's name yes the, Nicky Louder and James Hunt Hunt's, James Hunt's a British guy Louder was uh, like say Italian Italian but as much as they were sort of like natural competitors on the on the, the track, they were quite close eventually as friends. Yeah, I think it's just because they both shared like the spotlight, the limelight, and sort of that world. And they shared the same kind of goals and always uh-huh. pushing all the time, you know. Lauda was the one who won multiple titles. I think James Hunt only won it once, so I say. Yeah. I- if I, if I remember rightly, I think James Hunt was more the kind of pretty boy. He's, he, he's a playboy, the crazy one, but Louder was more of sort of like the guy who he appreciated the, the sort of technical aspects of the sport, he understood like sort of like wheel bar, like he sort of, he looked into everything in intricate detail, with, whereas Hunt was more like he drives how he feels, as opposed to being scientific, sort of mm-hmm. it. but yeah, I like Russia a lot as well. Yep. Um, but again, look at, when I, when I think of Formula One, the film I think of that I want to watch is Senna. Yes. documentary yes it's a fantastic movie also there's a great motocross not motocross like TT one called I can't remember I've watched it recently it's, it's set in the Isle of Man TT yes and I'm forgetting the name of it I've watched it recently I can't remember the name of it but it's a phenomenally good documentary about these guys who do the, do the Isle of Man TT and, they get, and it, the, the prize money for Isle of Man TT is fuck all like in comparison to what you get for anything else yeah it's more about the it's the it's more about the prestigiousness of, of, winning it, yeah. of winning it and and it's just something total grassroots about it and that's why it's it's always shunned away from oh. the big sponsorship deals and all that because I think they have a good sponsorship I think the guys who do it who are in it still just I think it's like 15 or 20 grand is what they, they yeah. win in prize and, it. and, it's, and like, it's total just passion for them totally to, to go as hard as you possibly can round an island it, on open British roads at breakneck speed at breakneck speed yeah, yeah. Um, I remember one of my friends I was a man he was telling one of his friends who competes in not the not the single car race not the single bike race but close to the edge I think of the film yes yep. not in the single car race but sort of the, you know they do a side car race yes he's had to like, remortgage his house like five times to, to generate the money and the thing to do this yep. so it's, it just comes from pure passion he may not, he probably, I don't think that guy even won it mm-hmm. but he, he just wants to do it all over again so he can actually do it mm-hmm. and it's, it's absolutely not and the documentary captures that brilliantly this idea of it I'll need to check that out then. oh it's an amazing documentary really good documentary um, but yeah like sport it's, just, it's really odd how sport doesn't make that great of films no. but stuff like Raging Bull and The Fighter it's all about the human story behind the person rather than the actual sport itself yeah Invictus is even in there Again, it's all about the actual, the, the sort of the, 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 the history of it, and it's all about the actual, like, sort of like the people involved in around the actual sport itself. And I can't really think of any film that is purely about the sport that no. actually beats you and go right. That's something I want to watch. And I think that's purely because, as much as you, the only time a sport would be, cons- if it was a team sport, that would be considered entertaining enough to make into a movie is like complete and utter complete and utter underdog story where this team is utter gash and they go on to somehow win I don't know but we all know the story anyway yeah they made like what's the big thing that happened recently Leicester City won the Premier League yes 
you can make a film about that we all know how it ends yes so there's no drama in it yeah that's why I think it always falls into it always being a documentary yeah, yeah. and yeah. you make a drama about it people just know I know how this ends and I'm, I'm not that interested like, there's one coming out next week I think called no two weeks time like Borg and McEnroe okay. and like we all know who wins that tennis match so it's like there's no drama involved in the Borg McEnroe thing yeah. so it's like where, why would you watch this film we know how it ends yeah, I think that's just. I think that's just. It's unfortunate positions where it always will be a documentary. The sport will always be the sport. The live event will always trump the the doc, the, 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 the film and the film. If they're going to try and do it, as a documentary. Yeah, it's a real shame because like sport. You think it should be and there are good sport films out there, but they're not about the sport itself. No. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for this week, man. Yeah. yeah. Nice good, short, sweet one. Nice one, sweet one. Well, an over an hour already. Not <laughs> yeah, um, but next week we've coming out. We've got I'm going to see tomorrow American Assassin. Okay, Michael Keaton. Oh, nice. I like Michael Keaton. Yeah, yeah. always good. Uh, we also have King from the Golden Circle is out as well. Yes, which yeah. we're intrigued. We see keep seeing every bus going by has got King from the Golden Circle on it. Advertised on every, everything. Everything. Yeah. Also, a Scottish boy involved in it, so we're happy with that. Matt Absolutely. Millar involved in it. What well, you probably saw the trailer for it during um, it was Mother. Yes. Which um. looks. Uh, if a movie and a trailer has to tell me that it's going to change my life, I feel it's going to change it for the worse. Yeah, or it's, you're expecting a lot from it and it better deliver. Yeah, and I feel it's going to be the latter, uh, the, the previous, I feel it's going to under-deliver. Absolutely. There's also one coming out, come out called The Villainess, which is a, I think it's a Korean movie, but I mean, maybe Japanese. I'm going to be really offensive because I don't know what, which side it's coming from. But... It looks phenomenal. I don't think you can much release over here, unfortunately. It's quite one of those ones that's shown in sort of select cinemas, key yeah. cities. Yeah, yeah. But it looks fantastic. It looks really interesting film. Um, also out this week is Victoria and Abdul, mm-hmm. which is basically Mrs. Brown, but only an Indian guy, as, yes. as opposed to Billy Connolly. Yes. So it looks like it can hit the grey market, I think. I think I'm, I'm going to go and see it on, I think, Wednesday. And I imagine I'll be the youngest person in the cinema by about 30 years. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I feel it's definitely a... Uh, well, I don't know. A bank holiday, yeah. pensioner watch. Yeah, a seniors club one. Uh, yeah, you see the, all the old of a night out to watch when, when Britain was a better place back in 1900. Yeah. Yes. Um, also, this week I'm going to see on Monday, which I'm really excited about, is the re-releasing Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, nice. Yes, um, in 4K, on the big screen, I am. I cannot wait for this film. I'm really looking forward to it. I've never seen the big screen before. I am exceptionally excited about it. So we'll get that coming out as well. Um, but until then, we'll talk about next week. I have been Richard Laird, you have been Barry Neil, and we have been Three Beers and a Movie.